morning, y'all. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. This is your host, Mr. Brandon Wade, but the rules still apply. You can call me B2, you can call me B-square, you can call me whatever you want to call me. And the rule does still apply as long as it's nice, y'all. Welcome back to Pay It Forward. I guess I kept that intro because I like doing the intro. One of the things that you learn in radio hosting is to keep a consistent personality. You know, a lot of radio hosts come at situations the same way. They come at their show the same way. They have personas that they put on. And that's one of the things I like the difference between radio hosting and podcasting is I feel like there's a lot more freedom for you to really, truly express and be yourself, which is ironic because that's a lot of why a a lot of the certain radio hosts that are out there are selected in the first place is because they're themselves. And as time passes and they get a bigger audience and sponsors and stuff like that, they go, hey, we, we don't want you to do all that. We want you to do this and we want you to do that. And before you know it, the person is no longer a person, but a persona. And I really do like that intro. It just kind of comes from the regular radio host days of doing pay it forward of where what I did was me, but it was more or less a more animated persona version of myself. Now, granted, I do have moments where I'm really that genuinely animated and stuff. And those are real. But the way I was putting in effort to be perceived a certain way that wasn't all that real so i'm happy with the intro and i'm also learning myself as i've said more than once who is really brandon underneath all of this beneath any persona beneath any perception who is that who do i look at when i'm looking in the mirror and I I feel like I've had some experiences that have led me to be more grounded and more solid and more open to what God is doing with me. But I still find myself feeling like I'm floundering. And I guess this kind of goes into the topic I wanted to talk about today. The value of death and the value of transformation. So, death, from what I've experienced with the two male father figures I've had in my life having died, is there's something truly inevitable about death. There's something that you just can't touch. Like, no matter what you do, you just can't touch death. Like, when somebody dead, they're dead. Like... I, when, you know, I saw my dad and he was no longer breathing anymore. Like that really hit me, bro. Like he's dead. It's been a year since he's died. A little longer than that. And despite all of the grief work I've done and all the things I've done around that to, as you'd say, be recovered and become a active and functioning member of society, I find myself still looking like, bro, you're really dead. Oh, man. And 
you know, it's only been maybe a month and a half since I found out that my spiritual father had also died. And there is somewhat of a shock that happens when people die. And at least in my experience, there is. And some people have said, man, you never get over it. You just never, you just learn to cope with it. And I don't really think that's true. I do think that there's healing and forms of it that take place. And I've done some grief work to see that. But there is an element of learning that there's going to now be a reality without that person. And um, one person that I, I respect a lot, I mentioned his name before, Brian Reeves. He um, he talks about um, death and the opening of the feminine heart and transformation. See, as men, we are taught feelings are second and if they're if they're second second is being generous we're taught feelings are maybe 15th or 20th down the line of anything you do the first thing that's most important is what do you have and what do you do what are you doing no one cares about what you're feeling what are you doing and it's specifically something that is is heavy amongst men it's been a very male masculine driven society to the point of toxic masculinity And I find myself thinking, what do I feel? Man, I have gone days, weeks, and days is an improvement. I've gone days and weeks where I've looked and gone like, bro, I don't even know what I feel right now. My body is functioning, but I'm just like in this cocoon where I don't feel anything. And that's what society taught me. That's what the male figures in my life taught me was your feelings are are 15th and 20th and worse that's what i learned even when i was in church was your feelings do not matter jesus matters your feelings mean nothing and that is a horrible way to live bro your feelings mean nothing it's feelings that give us vibrancy it's Feelings that allow us to even connect. I don't even think that's biblical. But people say that. It's just something that people say. And the worst part is, is that there's damage that's done. And it's only done because the person that said it heard it from someone else that said it. I have wrapped myself sometimes in cocoons of numbness just going through the motions. I I find things that I want to do. My subconscious that just knows all the belief systems that I've been taught, just be running the show, just be doing all the stuff that it knows to do because all it's trying to do is keep me safe. So I just don't want you to experience something that might shock you because you've been through enough shock. So many things I think in life that whether I've said or others have said, that we've created for ourselves and we go, why is this happening? And it's our subconscious and unconscious saying, Hey, I just want you to be in a situation in an environment that you understand. Even if that environment is not one that's conducive to something that would actually make you happy and grow, man. I talk about different times of being in church and all that stuff. And I've gained 
I feel like a lot from those experiences. And I've also seen that the mentors that I did have when I was really heavily involved in church, I don't know if they ever really did a lot of teaching me on how to actually live life. They taught me, hey, you're going to suffer. Hey, you're going to sacrifice. Hey, you're going to you go, you're going to just go through things. But if you just hold on. Oh, man. Oh, that just, that just, that just, even 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 my spiritual mentor was just, man, if I did, we could just hold on just a little while longer. Everything going to work out. And I'm still hurting over that, man, because it didn't work out for him. It didn't work out for him. It didn't work out for him. And that led me to a, a, a point of just feeling completely disillusioned because that was somebody I put a lot of faith in. That was somebody I really believed in. That was somebody I believed in almost to the exclusion of my own self. I said, man, I trust you more than I trust myself. Help, but sometimes feel like I was such an idiot. Like, bro, why you listen to him? And finding myself in this place of at different times in life where I feel disillusioned. That is the result. Of 28, 29, 30 years of bottled up feelings. Issues, shame, problems that were always there. Coming up to the surface and saying, now you are ready to experience. To truly experience a life of vibrancy. A life of quality. Because there is no quality If we do not feel, there are problems going on right now in the world because people refuse to feel. There are lots and lots of persecutions that have happened to different people because you have individuals that have denied themselves their own feelings. I think we're taught erroneously that especially, and and right now I guess I'm kind of speaking to people that have been in religious situations, whether they've been in church, whether they have had a different faith of any kind, that we're taught erroneously oftentimes that denying the things we feel Denying our existence is what makes God happy. There's no happiness there. Denying something that God put within us, something that Jesus himself did. What happened? What happened to the places that were trauma departments? What happened 
to the safe havens. Man, back in the older days where people could come into a church building and and yell sanctuary. And regardless of their crime, the church would say, we're going to give you a shot. We're going to find out what it is and we're going to treat your problem. Whatever happened to that? We can't go into a church building no more and yell sanctuary. You go into a church building, yell sanctuary. They say, yeah, but have you cleaned yourself up yet? We wear our nicest clothes to church. We bring our nicest singing voices to church. We bring our biggest prayers and most authentic sounding, loud, big praying in tongues or praying in other languages. We bring all that to church and we don't bring nothing else. And it's not even a wonder on top of that that you can have a church that says it's so in tune with God, with Jesus, and yet be so out of tune that you miss the homeless person on the street because you don't even give a crap. In this particular point in my life, man, I feel like I'm becoming something different. And I'm happy, and I and, and, and at some point I'm terrified because I'm like, man, what if I can't go back? What if I don't recognize who I am anymore when I look in the mirror? I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. But this is the experience. This is my experience with watching the death of, of, of certain people that I loved and seeing the transformation because... When a caterpillar turns into a butterfly, it never goes back to being a caterpillar. It's a butterfly until the day it dies. Matter of fact, it's it's one of the the um the genetic marvels of the world that when a caterpillar becomes a butterfly, it literally there's nothing left of the caterpillar. It's something completely different. It 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 it, it is emulsified into like this sludge, and out of the sludge becomes a butterfly. And it's actually genetically a different creature from the moment that it changes. It's genetically different. That's what I feel that I've been experiencing. It's like, bro, I'm going to be, I'm so different. Will I even look in the mirror and recognize myself? And now I'm like, is that a bad thing or is it a good thing? Because there's still parts of me that look back longingly at the environments the church environments and say man but i at least recognize that that's at least familiar i at least understand that man have i ever said that dying was gonna hurt the living you know my dad my spiritual father they were wherever it is that they were supposed to be But the living are the ones who experience. And I still got experiences left. And there's a transformation. There's a fundamental something that's coming out of me. And I'm not sure whether I'd like it or don't like it. But there's something different coming out of me there's something that requires me not to be 
the plastic figure that I knew myself to be. There is something in me that is being birthed out of me. And it is visceral. It is raw. It is unexplainably authentic. And it desires and requires me to show up. And I've never wanted in that way to do that. I say show up. What happens when all of the things that you know, all of the mentalities, all of the systems that you know no longer work for you and you find yourself needing to show up in an environment that is infinitely greater and more of a blessing than you have ever expected and you know in yourself that you other than if you show up will not have what it takes to be there but you are what's required you know that you don't have the clothes to go there you know you don't have the toys to go there you know that you don't have the things that you need and God say yeah that's good because now you can bring yourself that is terrible It is transforming and it's both at the same time. And it seems like there's no way that you can have death without also having life. They seem to run synonymous with each other. That wherever death occurs, life also occurs. Yo, nobody told me it was going to be like this. Nobody told me that the nature of my challenges would change. See, it's different when you're stable and you can't blame your environment. You can't blame stuff that has nothing to do with you. You can only look at the relationship that you have with God. The relationship that you have with yourself See, what happens when you can't blame the devil? What happens when you can't sit there and be like, oh, it's the devil's fault? What happens when you can't do that? What happens when it's not, it has nothing to do with the devil or some type of spiritual entity? What happens when it's just you? What happens when it's you and your limiting beliefs? What happens when it's limiting beliefs that you didn't cause, but you're still responsible for it? What happens when it's you? What? What do you do? What do you do? What happens when nobody can just walk the path for you? What happens when it means being willing to separate yourself and distance yourself from from a certain type of people that you know will treat you a certain way and you want to keep them in your life just Because you understand what they want. To allow yourself to experience something that might be unpredictably good. 
that might be so much different than what you're used to that you can't even quantify it and calculate it. And it's in that action that causes you to actually expand and grow into the lifestyle that you want, but it requires something that you're not used to giving, which is yourself. What happens then? been able to answer is that I don't know and that I want to know hell even that I need to know what is transformation what is that that's the question. That's the that's the question. What is that? We see the completed picture in our mind sometimes. At least I have. Seen the completed picture in my mind where I'm like, you know what? I know I'm getting here. And I say, that's cool. And maybe I don't know how I'm getting there. And I might say, that's cool too. But each step, I go, bro, I, hey, whoa, listen. This ain't. This ain't what we talked about. None of this is familiar, even when it's good. For example, I had a therapist appointment today, and I like talking to my therapist. And, you know, we have a set schedule, usually around in the late morning, early afternoon schedule. And I don't know what happened, but something happened in, in, in me that... I just overslept and missed the appointment. And man, when I tell you, I had so much shame and self-punishment come up. And all that was just because of the things in which I dealt with my dad. I was like, well, got to punish yourself. And I've realized it today. I said, oh, no, no, no. I'm not punishing myself for this. I'm not punishing myself for this. And you know what came over my mind? I said, wait, 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 wait. Maybe this was for the better. Because truth be told, I was like, maybe I think I can have this appointment at another point in the day where it's more conducive for me. And I realized that this was for the better, but it was a change. And change, even when it is for the better, can be scary. It's the same transition of somebody that was single most of their lives and ends up in a relationship with somebody that, and chooses a relationship with somebody, let me just say it like that, chooses a relationship with somebody that ends up being a bigger and better blessing to their life and a great addition to their life in a way that they were never able to act. And, and however, whatever experiences they had with prior relationships, the experience they're having now is completely different and they don't know how to quantify it. It's a change. It's also a moment of grief. It's also terrifying because I've even with my, like I said, with my therapist, I've always been able to meet my meetings. I had one other time previously where I, I missed a meeting and you know, it was, it, it, it's always been something that was consistent. But what do we do when consistency in a certain area is no longer conducive and we find ourselves changing the system that we're used to? And then we look up and go, this is actually better than I imagined it to be. And sometimes I feel like God's saying, yeah, this is what I wanted. And this is what you wanted. How much do we often resist receiving 
Some of us have been taught. I know for myself, man, look, I was always taught to give, you know, give, 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 give. And you know what? It's cool. Cause I like, I actually like giving. Giving is actually really cool. It, it, something that I actually like doing. I like giving. I like giving them my time. I especially like when I'm full and I have so much to give. I love giving, man. But if you were to ask me about receiving, and you think, oh, now you think, oh, wait, 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 that's real humble. And I, no, 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 no. Trust me on that. It just sounds humble. It sounds humble. It, It sounds a lot more humble than it is. Because when we say I'm willing to give, but not receive, I at least feel like that's saying, not only do I not trust that what you give me will be good enough, I don't think I'm good enough to receive it. It sounds humble, but it really kind of isn't. Shameful things often sound like they're really humble and remorseful, but they're usually not. They're usually based off of an area of identity that says, I don't know where you think that I am good enough to receive. But when you don't receive, it makes it much more challenging to give. So much, so much transformation. And right now it feels like I'm in the midst of the sludge part, the part where there's, there's not a lot of substantial surface. I know there is one. I know that the sludge is on the ground, but I'm like the sludge in the middle of the cocoon. And then sometimes it makes perfect sense. And then sometimes it makes no sense at all. And then it makes perfect sense. And then it makes no sense. And I'm like, will you just get it together? And and, 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 and it's in not having it together. That seems like that's the most necessary part. What happens when you don't have it together? What do we do? What do we do when doing is not the answer? What do we do when we run into a task, a door that in order to pass, you don't do, but you are? What happens when it becomes something that is different? Then the task in which you complete, but the identity in which is being created in you. What happens when doing is not the answer, but being is the answer? What do we do now? I feel like when I look at society as a whole, especially looking at the United States, I look and I see a lot of people who are used to doing and are not used to being. So I feel like in that area, I at least feel like I'm not alone. When we had the way we handled COVID-19, we did. We took steps to do, but not to be. And so you found people going, well, why can't I go out to the mall? Why can't I do this? Because that's what we do when we don't want to be. That's what I did. I just, if I felt too stressed or frustrated or whatever, I just go to the mall. Walk around for a while, get some food, come back, wouldn't feel stressed no more. 
But what if I needed to feel the stress? What if I needed to sit, feel the uplifting, the, 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 the feelings within my, 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 my stomach, the, the, the ball of anger within my stomach or the, 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 the stress within my, my middle, my middle body and my, and my chest. What if I needed to feel that, feel where it comes from, feel its location and just sit with it and allow it to share the lesson that it is trying to tell me, which is this correlates to an experience that happened to you that needs your validation And the more you have validated it, the more it will disappear. It is something that happened to you, but it is not something that is happening to you. We wonder why there's no resilience or people are not resilient. People are not able to bounce back from things. It is because, I believe, we don't feel. We don't take the time to actually go, what am I feeling? It's been a shortcoming of men for years, for decades, for ages. When we were called to feel, we did. When we were called to be, we did. And we did oftentimes because somebody else told us it was a good idea. The person we looked up to modeled that for us as an example. There are things that happen even with children where you see a parent saying to a child, and it's hard for me to say because I'm not a parent, but at the same time, I have had some experiences with children where it seems like some people seem that children will do whatever they ask, and some people seem like the child never does what they ask, and they say, why won't my child listen to me? And the child, and and truth be told, the child is only looking at what you do. The child does not care what you say. He looks at what you do. He looks at who you are. He looks at what he sees. They look at what they see. He or she looks at what they see and they're not going to listen to what you do because they're going to look at what you, what they see and what they see will always override what you told them. 29 years, 30 years. This is destiny from my past being rewritten. It's a learning to merge and accept that all of the things in which I experienced actually happened. I got through 28 years of my life burying these things, acting like these things didn't happen, glossing them over, laughing it off. And now at 30, I feel like I'm cracked open, but I feel more emotionally available sometimes than I've ever felt in my life. But I sometimes feel cracked open, but it's in those moments that I feel more connected And then I wonder, is it even real? Is it even real at all? But that's good. If I'm wondering, wondering is the hope that I have. That there is something out there that is greater than me and my understanding. I say it all the time. I don't know if I've said it particularly in this video, but I I am a believer in Jesus Christ. And I've always been that. I've been that for a long time. And I believed it in different iterations. I've accepted different ideologies. I've accepted different belief systems without, without complaint and without value. This is the first time in my life that I am figuring out who God is for myself. And it is terrifying because I have a lot of people. I've had people around me that seem like they know, 
But nobody, not a soul, can teach a person how to be themselves. Now, I'm 30 and I I don't have the same obligations to pander to my dad, my father figures. I don't have the same obligations to try to reach and save people. I always felt like I was going to be the one to save my dad. I felt responsible for saving him. I felt that every decision that he made was something that had connected with me. I felt that I had to do it. That nobody else understood that I was alone. And that was a perception but it was one that was reality to me. And after 28 years, I realized that my dad had his own choices to make. And in my reality, his choices were entirely based upon my own. That was not true. One of the things that human beings are granted more than anything else is the ability to choose. We're granted the ability to create, the ability to choose, to truly make choices of a cognizant free will. We're granted something that no other creature in this world has, no animal, nothing above and below. We are granted the ability to cognizantly make choices of a free will. And in a lot of our interactions, we don't, Consider that the other people in our lives also have free will. They also have the ability to choose. Sometimes we see ourselves like God, and I know I did, especially in regards to my dad. Sometimes you see yourself as, I know this is how things are supposed to be. I know, I must know, because if I don't, what am I? I can say that I pointed it out and see it in racism, where it goes deeper than just a skin color. Deeper than just a sense of oppression, it's gone beyond that and it becomes a sense of identity where you have a people that are oppressors and say, if we are not oppressors, if oppression is not written into our actions, who are we? And then you see a people that are oppressed and they say that if oppression is not written into our actions, who are we? You see a people that are struggling with something that is far beyond the physical understanding of confrontation. You see a people that are literally struggling to find their identity in something that is not genetically passed down, not a lineage passed down, because some people take it into their identity that I am superior, and some people take it into their identity that I am inferior. In the same way that racism translates into sexism, it translates into identity issues on a personal level. This is what I have experienced in certain ways. The freeing from codependency, from codependent thinking, from enmeshed thinking, where if I don't agree with everything my dad says, who am I? That's the philosophy I took everywhere I went. If I took, if I went to a church, I took that philosophy there. I say, I need to agree with everything that that person says. And if I don't, I am not worthy. I either need to believe in everything they said or question everything they said. It was always either all or nothing. And now I don't have those places where I look. And the only thing that I have to question 
is the belief systems in which I built my life around. If they will serve me in the present age and in the age to come, you get where I'm coming from with that. What will serve me? What does that even mean? What does service even mean? All of these questions. It's like looking at myself in a sludge and maybe a year from now I'll look and I'll say, this was the defining moment in my life where I became something different. And maybe this is the the moment where I'm speaking that I will be and that I am different. But it's the acceptance. It's the acceptance of being different, of truly, truly being different. Why don't we talk about how scary it is? I can tell you one reason why we don't. Because we were taught to suppress fear. We were taught to ignore. We were taught to muzzle. We were taught to suppress the the chills that run down your spine. We were taught to suppress those instincts that tell us when something is fundamentally changing. We were taught that certain emotions are not worth being given attention to. But all feelings are valid. They are not the rulers of our lives, but they are valid. Our feelings, our experiences, our perceptions, each and every experience that I've had from the time that I was born to this time now and to the experiences and perceptions I have in the future, each one of those is valid. It may not necessarily be the entire truth, but it is a perspective that has validity. And we are not taught that. We are not taught that our existence is worth anything other than what we perform as. And that is a failing of the culture in which we're in. And that is why you see such an upheaval in the world. It's because the side that has been suppressed, the feminine, the creative, it's making a resurgence. It says, I will not be ignored anymore. I will not be ignored anymore. It is time. It is time for us as we transform. And now as we've come out of survival mode, when you come out of that place, you're faced with the reality that you have myriad of choices. You have hundreds of thousands of choices, millions of choices that you could make. And each and every one of them could lead you closer to the dream that you have or farther away. What will you be? Instead of what will you do? Who will you be? What will you be? I'm real enough to say right now that I have no fucking idea. Sometimes it seems like I feel like I absolutely get it. Sometimes I feel like the biggest imposter in the world. And that is an experience. And that experience is valid. So, I'd like to give the chance to encourage anybody. It sounds humble, but I want to share this. Y'all not alone. Y'all are not alone. Your experiences have value. Your perceptions have value. And there are other perceptions that you also know nothing about. Me too. 
Sometimes I go into places and I go, bro, I did not even know that was a thing. Just because we didn't know didn't mean it wasn't there. Just meant that it maybe wasn't our time to know. Some things you will never see while you're on this earth and some things you'll see that others will never see. But the most important thing is that you as a person, I as a person, me as a person, we all have the opportunity to exist. To not just exist, but live. And if we claim, if we claim to know God, to know source, to know the universe, to know Jesus, to know Allah, whomever it is you claim, where is the quality of life that goes with it? Because all I can tell you is that Jesus did say, the devil came to kill, steal, and destroy, but I came to give life and that much more abundantly. How do we claim salvation? How do we claim grace? How do we claim the presence of God? And our lives are not representative of that. How do we claim that if our lives are not vibrant lives? Our lives are not quality lives, lives that are lives that stir people to say, I want what you have. Why do we say one thing and mean something completely different? Why? And if that is the case, and if you are questioning things, if my experience means anything to you, I say this. If you're questioning things, good. Because somebody that questions is somebody that's interested. The person that doesn't question that's the person that's just accepted whatever their lot is. And maybe there's some contentment there. But for me, these deaths that I've seen in my life are only a catalyst to transformation. It's just that nobody talked about how real and how raw it leaves you when you're transforming into something that you don't quite understand. Yep, so that's it. That's the realness. That's what I'm able to bring to the table because that's what I have in abundance. The reality, the self-awareness, the experience that I'm in, this part, this stage in my life in which I'm transforming. That's what I'm able to bring today to pay it forward. And that's what I'm able to pay it forward to y'all today. That if you are transforming, anyone under the sound of my voice that is in a transition and transforming, not only are you not alone, this stage is not the end of your transformation. This is the stage in which you might feel like sludge. And that's good because it takes sludge to form into something completely new. That creates a butterfly. We talk a lot about how certain rocks under pressure create diamonds well certain pressure in the caterpillar creates sludge and that sludge forms a butterfly so yo god i thank you for everybody under the sound of my voice anybody that's becoming a butterfly in their lives anybody that's becoming different 
God, that you're not only guiding them to who you are, that you're seeing them through. Because your word said in the Bible, the faithful is he that called you that shall also do it. So I just thank you for each and every person that's been listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I love y'all, man. This is a really good experience for me, and (laughs) it's always good to be able to share an experience and a reality that I'm in, wherever it is, and to be able to share what's on my heart and get some growth from that, too. So, man, I love y'all PIF gang. Y'all stay tuned, and we're going to see what comes next. All right, I love y'all. Peace out.